The starting on the artist path comes with an expiration date or a required background. Vanessa Lesniak sure does not think so, and she can prove it. Just check her Instagram at Vanessa underscore paints underscore. If one look at her gorgeous watercolors doesn't convince you, then simply tune in for her story. Today, we discuss starting an art career after 40, working with gold watercolor, how Vanessa painted every day for six months, and what to do when you do not feel like making art. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etrelab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etre, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Always on your website. Okay. And um, I'm not even talking about your art. That is mind-blowing. I'm just talking about your whole story mm-hmm. uh, to sum it up and let me know if I'm saying something wrong. You okay. decided, and I know the word is not decided, and I want to hear it from you, but you became an artist at the age of 40. 40, and yes. And you were a mom of three at the time. One yes. of them a baby at the time. One of them a baby, yeah. And you were a social worker. Mm-hmm. And you were so tired and exhausted <laughs> and anxious yes. and getting in this like anxiety spiral like you probably described it. Uh, and then you changed gears. And I want to know how yeah. that happened, why that happened, why, what were you feeling? Like, tell me everything. <laughs> tell us all the things. Well, I was, I was actually very happy as a social worker. I loved my job. And to this day, you know, if, if I ever had to go back, I absolutely would because I, I loved my job. But it got to the point um, around the last three years of me working um, where things were just changing. And even though I was very happy there, I was extremely stressed out. We kept losing staff. So I was, I was a manager at, at my job and we kept losing staff and having, having to rehire staff. And, you know, when, when we lost staff, I had to take on all the extra workload and it was just a lot. So I was stressed out all the time just all the time. And I always preach to my staff about the importance of self-care. So I always, I always, because I had young social workers and I said, you know, if you, if you're going to make it in this profession, you really need to take care of yourself. Can you explain what a social worker does? Cause I'm not 100% sure. Well, a social worker is, it's a very vast field. So it can um, include anything from like, uh, counseling to um, making uh, policy changes, working with families. I worked um, in the housing field, so helping low-income families find housing. And I also worked closely with our local child protective agencies, helping to reunite families um, by getting them safe and stable housing. So, yeah, it was was a lot. But um, yeah, so so and and I always I always try to have my staff, you know, take really good care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So anytime, you know, I I used to have like I I remember one of one of my my girls <laughs> called me one day and she was like, you know, I just don't feel like coming into work today. I just want to go to the beach. And I was like, you know what? Go to the beach. You go take care of yourself. Oh. You have a fun day, and then when you come back tomorrow, you'll be nice and refreshed, right, and ready to start the day and tackle all of these new challenges. So I was a very big proponent of that. And then I saw during like my last three years at at my job. 
that I wasn't practicing that. And I was so stressed out and I was so exhausted. I was putting in these long hours at work. And then I would come home and I would just be grumpy all the time, mm-hmm. which was not great because I had like a baby at home and it was just, I was just in a really bad mood. And I said, I have to change this. So I need to find something that will make me happy. You know, I've always been uh, into like the creative things. I crochet. I always did crafts, arts and crafts with my older girls. So my oldest, Tatiana, um, Mm -hmm. when she was off in college, she started bullet journaling. And she was like, mom, look at what I did. You know, and she showed me her bullet journal. And she was like, this is going to help keep me on track. And I was like, oh, that looks like that looks like something I could do. It's fun, right? So I started bullet journaling. It was great. It helped me with my creativity. I did all of these like, you know, super cute spreads. And then one day I tried watercolor in it. And that was the beginning of the end. (laughs) And you went into a downward, upward spiral that would never. And it just, it took off from there. I started watercoloring every single day and it just took off. (laughs) How long ago was that? Uh, it was 2017, 2018. So three years-ish. Yeah, ago. three, three, four-ish years ago, yeah. You started the art. I didn't choose the art life. The art life chose me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> this is it amazing. made me a happier person, I have to say, because I've, oh, I've always been, like, you know, a really cheerful, positive person, but I found myself in a, a headspace that I wasn't happy with myself. Yeah, because so you were taking care of everyone else but you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You were taking care of your staff, you were taking care of your kids, you were taking care of everything and everyone but you. Yes. And it takes a toll after a while. Wow. And I'm it so, so you, you realize that you were, I mean, I mean, could, is it correct to say that you weren't happy at the time? Um, I, I actually, I was very unhappy. I was unhappy and I just, I needed something to help bring that happiness back. Well, I mean, when I found myself one day crying at work, I was I I remember sitting in my office and I closed the door and I just started sobbing in my office. And I was like, I can't this can't go on. Like, I need to find something to help me emotionally cope with everything going on. And art was it. And the reason of the crying was partially because of the exhaustion, because I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it. I can relate to part of what you said. There are so many of us out there. Not not talking only about artists, us humans, mm. who are. I mean, you were in a job that you loved, yet you were unhappy yeah. and exhausted, and you had the mindfulness and the capacity to do a self check, mm-hmm. understand what was going on with you, and do something about it, which is great. Yeah. There are other people though that are at a job they hate. And they are miserable. And there are mm-hmm. people who are at a job they think they love, but they actually don't. That happened to me. And that's why I'm like yeah. kind of relating because I love the job, like the tasks and the team. Mm-hmm. But then I found myself like sobbing on, on yeah. Sundays, you know, closer to the end. I was starting to get like panic attacks and super anxious yeah. because I had to work the following day. And when the I, phone would I ring, relate. Oh, I would I get super stressed relate. every time I got a WhatsApp message because that's how we communicated. And I'm like, oh my yeah. God, what's up? Oh my God, what's up? Well, what's going on? And it was not even my boss. And he was some, oh my God, it was awful. So I had that wake up call and uh, I was miserable and I did something. But you loved your job, yet you had... Like, I'm just imagining that's in your position. I don't know if I would have the courage of leaving a job that I like, even though I was unhappy because I like the job mm-hmm. to do something. I mean, you started art making and there's this thing going in the art community that 
oh my god you have to start when you're really young if you want to make something out of it otherwise it's too late it's too late it's too yeah. late and you completely I have that mentality too I did too how and how did you I... override that thinking you know, I, I don't, I, it took a lot of support from those around me. It really did. Um, uh, I remember my wife sitting down with me one day and saying, you're, you're very unhappy. And I, and I told her I'm, I'm unhappy, but I love my job. But like, I love my job, even though I'm very unhappy there. Um, and it took me having a conversation with her to figure out what is it that I love so much about my job that I can apply to what I'm doing now. And and that is what really helped me. So I kind of like pieced out, pieced, put together the pieces of what is it that I love about my job. I loved being around my staff. I loved the interaction. Like everyone at my job, we were all stressed out. We were all in it together, but we were like one family. I loved teaching. I it, it's my my number one passion is teaching others and mentoring others. So, you know, I, I looked at that and I and I said, what can I do to apply that to what I'm doing now or to what I was starting to do? And that kind of helped me slowly come to the decision that it was okay for me to leave my job. Because I had all plans to retire from my job. I was at the same place for 16 years. Wow. So yeah. I, I was going to retire. I was high up in, in my in my um, organization. You know, everyone was shocked <laughs> because nobody leaves, you know, when you're where I was. People don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's something that I really respect about you. I have this friend and we were talking today. Actually, we're talking about that. She's at a job she hates. And she's like, actually, I think I've been through so many jobs doing the same thing. And I end up miserable in every single one of them. I just realized that I do not love this job, but there's something about the job that I love. And I just need to find mm -hmm. out what that is so exactly. I can start changing the course of my life, which is huge. Yes. So what you exactly. said is like, wow, what do you love about your job and how can you yeah. apply that? Because, you know, we live in with I, I'm, I'm from Portugal and there's this mentality here that I think is present in many parts of the world, which is you go to school, you study to be something, you graduate, you go to work on that something, you up yes. your career on that specific field, um, hopefully yep. in the same company, up, up, <laughs> up, or just, you know, if you're comfortable, just stay there, never move, then retire and live the yep. retirement <laughs> life. And that's it. That's exactly how it was with here with me too. Exactly how it was. Exactly. And I got so many people saying, "Are are you crazy? What are you doing? What like you have job security? This is you've been there. You grew no, up you there. No, you don't. No, you <laughs> don't. That's all. That's a lie. There's no such a thing as job security, and that's an I illusion know. we create for ourselves so we feel better about whatever. It is. I'm I'm sorry if I'm shocking anyone with this, but this is something that dawned upon me when I left yep. my previous job. It's like job security is a myth. There's mm -hmm. nothing that you can take for granted in this life, nothing at all. Exactly. So if you can go at any point in your life, mm -hmm. just go doing whatever you do love it. the most and spend and the time it. with the people you love and don't put up with, mm -hmm. you know, idiotic human beings if you don't have to because uh, that affects exactly. your health and uh, strive for happiness. Because if we're all doing what we love, wouldn't the world, like if I'm being operated by a surgeon who loves being a surgeon versus a surgeon who went to medicine because their parents said you have to go there because that's where money is. Exactly. <sighs> Give me the one who loves this job. <laughs> Please. I really want to live. See my son again. Okay. 
Wow. And, you know, I was talking to I was talking to my older girls um, about it because I, I, t- I talked to everyone around me about this decision, you know, whether I should do this or not. And I talked to everyone about, around me and she said something that like really, really resonated with me. And she said, you know, mom, when I was because of that huge age disparity. So my youngest was like one at the time and my oldest was, you know, she was away in college. She was like 17, 18, 19. Um, and I was talking to her about it. And she said, you know, when, when we were young, you were like always happy. We did so many things together. We, you know, she said after work, you, you would come and we would, you know, go out on these adventures and we would go to craft stores and we, every weekend we would take art classes and, and I don't do that now I, or, or then because I was so exhausted. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, you, both of my older girls got the very best of me. And I want, my youngest to have that too. I don't want her to have like this grumpy mom who's always tired and always exhausted. And she doesn't get that same experience. So I was like, you're right. We need to do something about this. (laughs) I'm so glad you have so many supporting people around you. That's amazing. Okay. Now focusing on the art aspect. So it was bullet journaling specifically that got you started. How did that jump into watercolor work? Well, I started, like I said, my oldest daughter introduced me to bullet journaling and um, I got on Pinterest one day and I was like, I want to start this. Like, I really want to start this. So I got on Pinterest and I saw a lot of like posts, um, uh, I don't know what they're called, pins on Pinterest. I saw a lot of pins of all of these great, you know, bullet journal spreads. And I saw that they all originated from Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, let me, let me go to Instagram and see. And Instagram just opens up this whole Uh-oh. new community for me. <laughs> so I started an Instagram on my little bullet journal spreads and I followed all of these big artists and I saw them watercoloring. So mm-hmm. I went to our local art store and I bought the cheapest little like $3 set of watercolors. It was, they were awful, but I tried it and I followed someone's tutorial online mm-hmm. and I ended up loving it. And then I switched from bullet journaling just to watercoloring. Mm-hmm. And I started online. So my very first day of like watercoloring, I started my Instagram account. So my Instagram account like just details my entire journey. So my first few posts are, you know, my awful watercolor, which I was so proud of. Of course you were. <laughs> and you looking were starting. back now and I'm like, oh my God. Thank you for, do- thank you for not deleting that because I think it's necessary oh, for everyone to see like, yeah, you have to start somewhere mm-hmm. and then you get it's better and better. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, and just curious, because you said you bought like the $3 watercolor set that was terrible. Uh, this mm-hmm. is not something I bring up often. So I would love to hear your thoughts about what is the difference between a super cheap watercolor and mm-hmm. a good one? In terms of- well, back then, I didn't know any better, right? <laughs> and and so, hey, if you don't know, yeah. grab something no, cheap. No, you don't know. And, and now I do. I've, 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 you know, learned over the years because now I'm, I make my own watercolor as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, back then I didn't know anything. And I bought, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that it was like a children's set of these little round chalky pens. And it was just, you know, they, they wouldn't spread on the paper. But to me, I didn't know any better. And I thought they were great. So, you know, I get I do get a lot of questions now, like what are like really great beginner sets for you to work with? Um, and I always give recommendations like the professional paints have the student grade watercolors. And I always say, you know, go for those instead of like the cheap Crayola sets that aren't really, oh, yeah. you know, made for someone who wants to improve. Those are made for kids. 
Yeah. And that's what I started with, like, a kid set. Yeah, that's so. why we created our own watercolors as well, because uh, so many yes. people were stopping art making. They were not getting into art making because the medium would get in the way. And I'm like, yes. oh, so this is what watercolor is like. I quit. This is yes. very frustrating. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's bad watercolors. That's why it's like, put that in the trash. We have good ones here. Try these. But anyway. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so continuing after my interruption Sorry. so so yeah so 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 that was you know that 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 was it like um you know i i did i was able to figure out and i was able to figure out figure it out very early on what was impeding me mm-hmm. and it's it's funny because i i did on occasion try to reach out to these artists who had like you know 10 15 20,000 followers and i used to be like um can i ask you a question and you know it's like <laughs> You know, and I was just like, you know, a little bit timid to ask them because like, who are these, you know, big influencers, you know, they're not going to talk to me about it. But a lot of them did. And they gave me, you know, really good advice as to, you know, how to upgrade what I should look for, what I shouldn't. And I took their advice and and it helped. And now when anyone asks me, I will 100 percent of the time will always answer them. Wow. Always. Kindness. Oh. Mm-hmm chain of kindness how contagious it is <laughs> oh good and you do a lot of like I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit technical because i'm curious you do a lot of golds with your watercolor which yes. i think is beautiful um i don't even know what to ask because i want to know so many things one <laughs> uh what do you love about the golds and two they can be very tricky to paint so any tips yeah. Yes. Well, I actually just started using like the metallic colors last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have made, I, I've for the past two, two and a half years, I make my own watercolor and I've always made metallic watercolors, but I never used them. So I was like, you know what? I need to really start getting into them. And I loved them because they just add this, just this specialness to your paintings you know, and it's just so I, I don't always just use gold. I use just a lot of um, uh, shimmery metallic colors just to kind of add those little special details to the piece. And it, it just kind of elevate them for me. Um, and I don't use them for everything, obviously. But I one of the things that I absolutely love painting are galaxies and like celestial pieces. Mm-hmm. And for those, I just feel like the metallics are just so appropriate for those pieces. They just make them pop. And they are, they can be difficult to work with, but over time, again, just as, as with anything, practice, 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 practice helps. And since we're talking about, exactly. (laughs) And since we're talking about demonstrations, if you're doing a live demonstration with us on February 12th, what will you be painting on that day? We will be painting a celestial gem piece. Though, so, like a celestial gemstone, um, and it, it and actually is one of my most requested, like tutorials, and it's so involved that I've never really had time to like sit down and actually do it. So I, that's why I feel like um, a space such as this would be so much better because I can demonstrate it and talk about it at the same time. But um, for the demo, we'll be painting um, uh, a gemstone moon set against the balance a galaxy background. Uh, If you want to learn how Vanessa paints, then make sure to tune in on February 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, you'll be in for a treat. 
now with our new assistant directing this interview just to make it very special exactly um <laughs> can you talk about some struggles you had while you were discovering how to use watercolor and how you overcame them um i had a lot of struggles <laughs> in the beginning um i i i i started watercolor never having painted ever you know i've i've never tried watercolor, acrylics, none of that. I've never painted. I've done lots of crafts and I've done, you know, things with markers and things, but I've never picked up a brush and painted. So I was coming at it completely just brand new, just not knowing what I was doing. And one of the biggest things I had to learn with watercolor is water control. And it's I it's one of the things that I actively sought out assistance. So I looked at YouTube videos. I looked at tutorials on Instagram. I signed up for Skillshare. I mean, I did tons of things trying to figure out how to do water control. And that was one of the things that I learned very early on, that the only way that you can kind of move forward and get past that learning phase is just to practice. It's it's just a practice. So I kind of looked back in those very early days um, when I was just, I was really, really trying hard to get better like this. I was like, I want to get better today. I want to learn how to do this today. And it's just not possible without practice. So I told myself very early on, I am going to paint every single day, every single day. I'm not going to set a time limit. I'm not going to set um, you know, a limit as to for how long this challenge is going to last. If I can only paint five minutes today, I'll paint five minutes. If I can paint 10 minutes, an hour, I'll do that. So for the first six months, from when I started painting, I painted every single day for the first six months. And sometimes it was just a little, you know, scribble on a paper, just a little wash of color. But it was me trying to build up that muscle memory, trying to figure out how to hold a brush, trying to figure out, you know, how this paint spreads, how to blend a color every single day for the first six months. And I, I can recall that first time after all six or seven months where I didn't paint that day. And the next day I was like, I, this doesn't feel right. I need to get back to painting immediately. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. So, I mean, in order to help you out, did you have your painting set up ready to go every day or did you have to set that up? I had no, I had no place to paint because that it wasn't part of my life. So I had a little lap pad that I bought at a craft store for like $5. And I had my cup of water and I had two brushes and my little set of paint. And I would sit on my sofa and just paint. And if wow. I can only paint for five minutes that day, that was, I still met my goal of painting every day, even though it was five minutes, but I did it. That's amazing. That makes me want to go and start doing that myself. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm doing that. I I started doing something. I've I've been touching paints every day because I'm doing oh, finger painting. Yeah, so just, just touch them for mm -hmm. two months. Okay, good. I'm I'm very. And you know, I I I learned that technique from. It was one of the things I learned from my my job as a social worker because I used to tell oh. my clients, my clients. I used to tell my staff, touch your files every single day so that you know what's going on in the lives of the people that you're working with, and it didn't have to be open the file and read everything. It was, if you have a file in your space, you need to know what's going on with this. So touch every single file every single day just to see what's happening. And I, again, transfer that into my life, paint every single day so that you're aware of what's happening, how things work. And, you know, it, 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 it helps. That's amazing. 
That's amazing. I wouldn't. I would never know how being a social worker would help you with art, but everything does help. That's it does. It does. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have a question. Someone sent in a question for you. So Brittany Burdon, she's actually one of our hosts for the live demos. She has a question for you. She'd like to know how you find the motivation to paint on days when you don't feel like it. Uh, so I just don't paint. <laughs> but I. I I've learned now there and there are times I go through periods where I will spend sometimes even up to a week where I don't paint because I have found now, now that I'm out of that initial um, trying to figure how it works. Um, now I now obviously you never stop learning, um, but I found now that if I push myself too much, then I disappoint myself a lot. So and I, I don't want to get to the point where art become stressful for me. So if I cannot, if I just don't have the motivation to paint, then I just won't paint. I will focus on something else. And that eventually comes back to me. Have you ever been afraid? Because I'm actually going through that. Where mm -hmm. do you draw a line between forgiving yourself for not being able to draw on that moment and just give cutting yourself some slack and realizing that you're being lazy you know what i mean yeah i i know exactly what you mean it's it's tough it's tough it's a lot of positive self-talk it, it it really is it is it, it and it like you said it is cutting yourself some slack and telling yourself it's okay it's okay to take a break every now and then you don't want to get to the point where your art becomes this um like an added stress in your life because it's not supposed to be that it's supposed to be your creative outlet so you don't want it to get to the point where art becomes like a burden for you so if 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 you're feeling you know i just i can't do this right now it's okay give yourself some positive self-talk, give yourself a little bit of leeway, let yourself have the space away from it because when you come back to it, it's just going to be all the more sweeter. Wow. That's beautiful. Uh, and uh, is there any word of advice you'd like to leave our audience with before we wrap up? Um, words of advice. <laughs> okay. Um, don't ever be afraid to reach out to other people for help, especially if, if you're in the beginning stages. A lot of my followers, uh, uh, the majority of, of, of my, my followers are beginners. Um, so I always say, always reach out. I always give them the permission to contact me because I know it can be a little bit scary at times to, to try to contact someone. I go on lives a lot. I answer a lot of questions. Give yourself permission to make mistakes and don't be hard on yourself. Part of the process of learning is making mistakes. And no matter what you paint, you will always learn something from it. You will always take something away from that, no matter what the piece is. You might think that the piece you painted is just the worst piece ever, but I guarantee that you will have learned something from that piece. So give yourself a little bit, cut yourself a little bit of slack you know, give yourself a little bit of, uh, give yourself some permission to fail, to get up and to learn from what you've done. Is art making something soothing for you? How did you get started? Please share your stories in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash lesniak. That's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B.com forward slash L-E-S-N-I-A-K. 
or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply let us know in the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art. Bye.